deep in the hearts of the Welsh valleys, a young man had dis- a deceptively young and unfathomably handsome man had decided that it was his destiny to become the greatest dog agility handler the world had ever seen. So he set about learning his craft. His front crosses were crisper than a dry December morning in the Brecon Mountains. His ketchkas were slicker than a boiled pigeon in a rubber tube sock. The intensity, accuracy and speed and natural flamboyance he brought far surpassed anything the sport had ever seen and would ever likely see again. The time was approaching where he would be ready to shine on the world stage and begin his legacy. But he realised, to win any battle you must first know your enemy. Welcome along everyone to another episode of Know Your Enemy and this week we have Ashley Deacon. Ashley currently lives in the United States but originally moved there from England. He is a competitor who stood on the podium at world level as well as regularly judging in his now homeland of America. He has just been named a future judge at the World Agility Organization. I enjoyed my chat with Ashley and as always I hope you do too. Today's podcast is sponsored by QMe Agility Training. It's an online training platform for everyone who competes in dog agility. It is run by the one and only Dave Munnins, and it has modules on literally everything you could ever need to be a successful agility partnership. All in one place, all on one platform. So if you think you need help with anything, take a look at the website and I'm sure Dave will be able to help you get it sorted. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to either myself or to Dave directly. Okay, so welcome along to the next episode of Know Your Enemy. And this week, the enemy at the gates is Ashley Deacon. Do you want to introduce yourself, Ashley? Uh, yeah, I'm Ashley Deacon. I live in San Francisco, California. I'm from originally from the north of England. Perfect. So we know your name. We know where you're from. Who are you today? How would you describe yourself to someone who doesn't know you? Who, how would I describe myself? <laughs> um, well, I'm, I guess I'll, I'll uh, in terms of my agility, I'm uh, a judge with UKI in the US. I am also a course approver with UKI. I um, I'm a partner in a facility, a dog training facility in San Francisco called Golden Gate Dog Sports. Cool. Um, those are like my side jobs. By day, I'm a scientist and uh, I work in front of the computer a lot. Um, that's about it. Cool. So you say that uh, you do a lot of judging. You've just been, well, I'm not saying you've just been given. I don't know how long you've heard of it, but you've just had a prestigious appointment. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, it's a little ways in the future, but I'll be judging the uh, World Agility Open uh, in 2026, I guess. Uh, yeah, really so. cool. I, I saw the announcement the other day, so congratulations firstly, because I haven't you. said that to you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I hope I'm there. I hope I'm there fighting for the Welsh team, and I hope I can uh, attack your courses. They, uh, they look good, so I'll start planning for them now. <laughs> So as you said, you're currently living in San Francisco. Um, I can detect a little bit of an American accent sneaking into your English one as well. So how long have you been over in America? Um, uh, how long have I been over in America? It's something like um, 23, 24 years. 24 years, yeah. And so quite a while. Did you start your... Uh, i tell you what, let's start at the beginning. Where did you start your agility journey and how did you get into it? 
Uh, I started actually in California when I moved. Uh, so I, I moved from the East Coast to California and uh, I got my first dog in 2002. Okay. So just over 20 years ago, I was on the East Coast for three years. Um, and then I got a job on the West Coast and that's when I got my first dog. Um, did you get the dog with the intention of doing agility or did you get into agility after getting the dog? Yeah, it was more the latter, really. I I, uh, I got a dog, and you know she was a pretty active dog, and I mean I wanted an active dog for hiking, and I was running at the time as well. So, um, and then I think I just uh, through a friend who had the same breed, Pyrenean Shepherds. I I just became familiar with uh, agility, and at the time I was doing a bunch of like obedience classes and stuff like that. So it was a pretty natural segue. Um, for an active dog, active person to get out of obedience and start doing something a little more fun, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And um, so you said Pyrenean, is that what you'd consider your breed? I mean, I'm sure you're allowed other ones, but is that what you feel at home with, you know? No, I, I mean, not, I, I, I'm just into dogs generally, so I wouldn't say I have like one breed. I, I currently have a young Border Collie as well, so. Cool. Um, um, my wife has has always had different dogs as well, so mixed breeds, and now she has a Belgian Tiburon. So, well, when you all say, over the go on, no, yeah, that's it. Go. When you um, said that <clears throat> you know your first dog when you were over in America, was that your very first dog, or had you had some previously as well? Only as like a family family dogs when I was a kid. We always had dogs around, so we had a poodle for a while, and then we had. Uh, Jack Russell Terrier for many years, um, so those were like family pets until I was, you know, a teenager. So always kind of into dogs and kind of understanding. Did you did you always feel that you'd be involved in sports with dogs, or was that like when you got that Pyrenee and that was the first idea, maybe that you'd be? Yeah, I think that was that was the first time I kind of became familiar of, of the sort of dog sports generally. I would say I, before that, it wasn't really crossing my consciousness. Cool. And then when when did you start going towards judging? Because I'm sure that you were a competitor before you were a judge, right? Yeah, I was uh, I was probably competing uh, for 11, 12 years before I got into judging. I think I, I started teaching and I got into course design and, you know, that kind of thing segued naturally into like having some interest in judging. I've always liked course design. I've always liked, you know, putting together training setups and stuff like that. So I think it was just like a natural, oh, why don't I just try judging for a bit? And Yeah. You like the analytical side of the course analysis, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. I think that was a pretty good fit for the way my brain works. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I mean, it's suit, there's different things to suit everyone. And it's just because you said that you worked on computers. And I know lots of computer engineers, and they're quite critical. <laughs> um, so I guess that the course design aspect, looking at dogs' lines and all that kind of stuff is uh, something right. that, yeah, you can really grab hold of, I suppose. I mean, I think, yeah, just from a, like a teaching and, you know, once you've started teaching a, a lot and you've got some teaching experience, you can, you know, your understanding of the sport changes and, and, you know, when you combine that with competing and then, yeah, just the computer side of things, sitting in front of a computer and doing stuff, you know, so I think those those three things, when you mesh them together, 
gets you into course design. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of makes sense, actually. Do you consider yourself now, because I know that you've competed at a very high level yourself, um, do you consider yourself now a competitor or a judge, or are you still both? <clears throat> I like I'm I'm still both in terms of my mindset or yeah I think I, I'm a little less um, driven on the competitive side right now just because I've got into judging fairly thickly yeah so you know it's a, a little hard because I have a day job and agility is not my real job you know trying to cram everything in but I'm still very much engaged on the training side and, you know, training my dog and I'm getting like a lot of fun out of that. Um, even though I haven't quite pushed it onto the competition field yet, it's just a matter of, you know, finding the time for all the things. Right? So. <laughs> Do you enjoy the training side more than the competition side? Um, I would say right now I do. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, I, I like playing around with things with my dog and, you know, figuring things out and it kind of influences what I'm doing judging wise as well, course design wise. And, you know, I'll test out some different stuff and I'll figure if me in my weak competitive state with my young dog can do it, then hopefully <laughs> other people can too. Um, I think it's like, I haven't been in the sport as long as you, I've been in it about eight eight or nine years now, I think. Um, and even in the short time in comparison that I've been in it compared to you, I've seen like a drastic change uh, in the sport. Um, so I'm sure in your time in the sport, you've seen a drastic change as well. And as a judge, I would say you're probably influencing where it is going as well, especially due to the fact that, like you said yourself, you've got a judging appointment in 2026. So you're obviously seen as a fairly progressive judge. So where do you see agility going, and for the handler and for the dog? Well, so I, I you know, I, I think one of the uh, one of the driving factors behind me getting into judging um, in the U.S. was that I actually wasn't seeing. I was seeing a lot of evolution in the sport in in Europe, and the sport was changing from you know, from say like. 2011, 2012, when I was like competing quite a lot and I was, you know, at, at a pretty high level. Yeah. And I didn't really, and then if I see what the sport's like now in Europe, it's, it's a totally different sport. But then if I look at, you know, sort of US organizations, I could probably go out there with the same skill set I had in 2011, 2012, and I could probably do, you know, pretty well. So I actually felt there was a bit of a disconnect in terms of the evolution um, in Europe versus, you know, in the US. And I think that's kind of what pushed me a little bit more into, you know, judging and thinking about course design and thinking about where things were going. You know, I had a, a young dog and I wanted to get those skills that would be compatible with running sort of international level agility. And I really didn't have an outlet for competing at that level in the US. Yeah. So. yeah, so I mean, things are definitely changing over there. I know of some, I don't, I guess you call it federations. I know of some federations that are definitely angled more towards the international style courses, some of the ones that you just mentioned. But this year then at the European Opens, uh, I think Team USA had a really good showing. Um, you had some really good placements. 
And I would say from a bystander's point of view, because I've got nothing to do with it, I would say generally the overall standard is definitely improving. Uh, so what do you put that down to? I mean, I think there's a, a lot of factors and I think there's been a lot of effort in different areas in the US. I mean, I certainly, um, the sort of area of ISC international uh, style courses where we've been getting, you know, European judges um, to design courses for US trials. So within AKC, there's a, a class called ISC, which is basically international sweepstakes class. And uh, that was always just a small sort of token class that would appear occasionally and would maybe be some qualifiers for world team selection process, but it never really broke out into a sort of more mainstream um, way until recently but there's been a lot of efforts by uh, a whole bunch of people that've really pushed on that over the last few years so i think that's definitely contributed <coughs> i think also um you know uki and a more grassroots level within the us has has pushed course evolution a little bit and you know there's been several judges uh, within the uki organization that've really helped on that front as well so yeah, I mean, from my point of view, as a, I judge, but very rarely, I would definitely class myself more as a competitor. Um, and as someone who's just, you know, brought up one dog at the international level and trying to get the second one up, we face a similar battle to you guys with regards to, I would say, a majority of the courses we run not really reminiscent of what we will see at an international style event. Um, I'm facing the same battles with regards trying to change the uh, mindset of a lot of people into what is what what it is we need to be doing. Because for me, um, trying to teach a young dog to run fast uh, and like all the foundations are skills at speed. And then you come into the early stages, <coughs> excuse me, of their competitive career. And there is... I just think a massive misunderstanding of how a dog moves where you right. have like a massive line of extension and the jumps are kind of eight meters apart. And then all of a sudden they go down to six and then all of a sudden it's five and you're trying to teach these dogs to run fast, but it's not in an environment that would be conducive to that. So in my opinion, right. the judges play a massive part in allowing a country to be successful on an international stage. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely true. I think, you know, you've got to have the right sort of courses that sort of um, motivational and, you know, um, are compatible with, you know, d dogs running fast and dogs opening up. And I think that's definitely been an issue in the US, in, you know, historically is that the courses tend to be tighter than what will be seen internationally. And, you know, dogs just adjust themselves, handlers adjust themselves, and, you know, there's more control put in and the dogs don't open up as much. And, you know, it, it requires different skills as well. So so what do you see as a, I don't want to say as a trend, but what, what things might you see on a course that you wish you could just kind of get rid of, you'd never have to see again? Um... I mean, I think the the thing 
the, the main thing is just understanding dogs' lives and, like you said, understanding the way dogs move, understanding where dogs are likely to land from one obstacle and therefore where you're best to position the next obstacle. Oftentimes you'll see things that just, you know, they discourage dogs from opening up because if they do, they're going to land way past the next obstacle or, you know, out of position. And you're also putting more physical demands on the dog's bodies then. So it often I think, you know, end, right, if they have to get up and over a jump too quickly, they can't possibly control it. And it just becomes like even more dangerous as well. Right. And especially if they have to then repeat that. Right. Exactly. And so then dogs just adjust, right? They, they're not expecting themselves to be able to move fluidly. So they're always expecting something that's going to require them to, you know, turn on the ground, you know, or scramble around for the next obstacle. So they're just, they come into every obstacle a little more cautious. And, and so I think that's, that's the biggest thing that I would like to eliminate in courses. You know, it's just simple, uh, simple understanding of the dog's lines, just to create more flowing courses, right? Mm. Yeah. So, in in as a judge, then that's the thing that you kind of look for first is a nice dog's line. Is that how you would start designing as well? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'll have some challenges in mind for sure, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty much trying to design on you know for for a nice dog's line throughout the course, so a, a, a sort of dog's line that can that can allow to a certain extent for poor handling, right? You're still going to lose time if you don't handle well, but it's not going to all transfer onto the dog, the dog and the dog's body, right? So somewhat more forgiving in that respect, you know, nice lines into tunnels and nice lines, obviously onto contacts and all those, you know, nice approaches and things, but just creating a, a flowing course, basically. So when you look at judges internationally or domestically, if you want to call that what you'd call the home judges, who do you, whose judge, whose courses do you look at and think that's a cool course? Whose judge do you always look out for? I think any of the big recognized judges that, you know, I, I, I mean, it's not like I'm following one particular judge. I definitely try and stay current with what's happening. But, you know, through social media, I just, if somebody posts a course and I'm on social media, I just look at it, right? Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> So... You know, I, I definitely just try and stay current of what's be, been going on. And I don't have to know their name. If I see a course posted, I'll, I'll look at it and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. And I like those ideas. And, you know, I'll file some stuff away in my brain for future reference. But it's not like I'm, you know, I, I don't I don't have specific judges that I'm just following following them. I, you know, I try and just. Broadly stay current with what's going on, right? And, uh, well, let's put that question then on to partnerships. Are there any partnerships in agility competing that you look at and think that's a cool partnership, whether it be for the training, whether it be for the handler, whether it be for both? Any partnerships that you really look out for and enjoy watching? Any good, any good team, you know, if I go to a trial, I mean, one of the things I always say when I'm briefing competitors, you know, is that I, I, I'm a, as a judge, I'm out there, I'm your biggest supporter, right? And I'm there, you know, cheering for all the successes. And, you know, a lot of times on, on my courses, people have, you know, they'll have beautiful runs, there might be one bubble here, but I, you know, I, I kind of focus on, on the good stuff that happens. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the good skills and and there's 
there's so many good teams out there that have you know really great stuff so yeah cool like i said there's um it's a hard question because there are so many teams that are doing really well but sometimes um someone will come up that i won't have heard of so i often enjoy picking people's brains on it and finding out <laughs> future goals then well, there's, just a, there's just a lot right yeah there I mean, is there is 100 i mean especially you know i yeah, especially young teams now because you know training ideas have evolved and, and you you see i mean i love seeing a new team right they they're just starting out and you can sort of predict whether you know predict into the future that they're going to be pretty successful just by the the early skills they they're displaying right yeah for sure um if you could go back to when you started, whether it be judging or whether it be competing, um, is there any advice that you'd give to yourself that you'd wish you'd learned or wish you'd known at the start? I mean, I think, um, you know, understanding your dog is the, is the most important thing and, and doing what's right for them. And I think, you know, I had to figure that out. I think it's, it's pretty hard coming into the sport of agility, you know, with a, for the first time um you know the, the, you've got to know about dog training you've got to know about agility you've got to know about handling right but you, you've kind of got to look out for your dog and, and what's in their best interests and uh i think that took me some while to kind of figure out my my first dog wasn't the, the most drivey and needed a little coaxing to get the most out of her and and you know once i'd figured that out uh, everything became a little easier and i guess that that dog taught you lessons so it would help you with other dogs in the future that perhaps you didn't know you needed at the time i mean exactly yeah. yeah each dog makes us a better trainer usually as long as we're prepared to kind of work with the dog rather than force your methods upon it if that's the word right yeah I mean, exactly right? exactly so what do you think are some future goals for yourself? Obviously, judging, we know now you're in the WAO. Is there anything that you've got that you'd like to have on the horizon judging? And then as a competitor as well, where are you looking to? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like to uh, get back onto the competition circuit at some point. Um, finish finish uh, running contact training would be a, a <laughs> never priority. That. that never finishes you know it's never it's never finished that's the problem but so, but I, I guess my problem is I, I like handling and I like running sequences so I that's kind of how I get distracted I'm like oh, I'm a bit bored with the training the running dog walk so maybe I'll just uh, run some sequences for a few days and get my motivation for the dog walk back again so yeah it can be um, for sure <laughs> but yeah i think just judging wise i just you know i i'd, I'd like well i guess there's a few things i i'm i'm quite keen on you know just helping up and coming judges in the us and spending some time on that as a course approver in uki i get to interact with a lot of judges so i think um you know putting some something back in there could pay some dividends in terms of getting um more up and coming judges, you know, along the way and designing good courses. Uh, also, I'm, I, I recently had a chance to teach at a juniors camp in the US. And I think that's uh, another, you know, really um, valuable thing to put back into the sport and get more juniors uh, involved in agility, which we don't really have that 
many opportunities in the US um, for juniors to really, you know, and it's an expensive sport and it requires a lot of time and stuff. So I, I've got a kick out of teaching at that camp and that's something else I'd kind of like to pursue as well. Oh, that's cool. Like, um, like you say, I mean, we're all not obsessed, but we're all in the moment. Uh, and sometimes we forget that there won't be a sport if there aren't young people coming through as well. So uh, I agree, it's pretty important. Um, I think there's definitely more emphasis being put on it where we are now. Um, I know that they had a really successful year in the EO, so obviously something is going right. Um, I definitely agree with you as well about the mentorship. I don't know how it is in most places, <clears throat> but I know in Britain, um, to get your judges exam, it's mostly about understanding the rules and that kind of thing. There's not so much talk about course design and dogs lines, as you said. Right. Understanding that's, that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where more help could be used and it's definitely getting there. Like there are more people who are offering help off their own back. Um, but yeah, the more we can get at that, the better, right? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I feel about course, our course review process. You know, it's all focused on the rules and the safety, which is obviously super important. But I think, you know, the more um, nuanced elements of course design, you know, kind of get lost in that process a little bit. So I think the more we can bring in, you know, new judges and get, and get some competitors, you know, who have a good knowledge uh, um, involved in judging, I think that would be very valuable. Uh, without I mean, the more judges there are out there, you know, the more, um, the, the better, really, you know, it's, yeah. For sure, it's going to help people develop as well. If there's more out there, there's more ideas being shared, and that can only be a good thing as well, as long as people are open totally. to taking feedback, I think is the main thing. Right, right. Yeah, we're not always right straight away. It takes time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So did you watch any of the European Open this year? Uh, yeah, I, I watched little bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, I wasn't glued to it, but definitely, definitely caught a, a, a fair share of runs uh, on social media and and so forth. So we're not. Yeah, I won't was, ask you to talk in specifics, but generally, course design. How did you find? What did you think? Um, yeah, there were definitely some good courses and some questionable ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I won't draw. I won't draw you into naming names. Um, I'm sure people who are listening can make their own assumptions to it. But they were. It was as if there was like different sports at times. It seemed like. Um, obviously, I wish I was there. Unfortunately, I couldn't be because my dog had kennel cough. Um, but oh. it was a strange watch. It was. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what to make of it. So it was, I was interested to see what someone who designs courses what they thought of it as well. Focus on the good ones, this is what I would say. But. Yeah, focus on the positives and hopefully yeah. it will drift away. In um, Again, this doesn't need to be agility. This this can be in real life, but often because, you know, we have a large part of our lives involved in agility with all the people who I'm speaking to. Um, what are you most proud of? Most proud of? Most proud of. Funny how this question always gets people, it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm most proud of. Is it a you know, it's a hard question to answer, but I'm sure there's plenty of things you can be proud of. I mean, at the, the current time, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, proud of the work I'm doing in course designing. So, uh, I'm, you know, I feel like, you know, it, 
I'm getting good feedback, which is always good to hear, right? And I feel like you know I'm having some positive Im impact in 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 that department, you know. So yeah, for sure. I think that's it becomes you know, which is probably why I'm uh, putting more of my energy and time into it, right? So if you get positive feedback, then it certainly influences your the, your directions, I would say. So yeah, I'm pr I'm pretty proud of. Uh, all the work I'm doing course design at the moment. So. And like I said, from someone who uh, is not involved in that, you're obviously doing good work because you, like I said, you've just been selected to judge the WAOs and that's not something that everyone gets the opportunity to do. So you're doing something right, I would suggest. Yeah, and I felt also recently I've been uh, designing courses for uh, the American Kennel Clubs. Um, they have what's called an uh, agility league. Okay. Where... Um, it's basically it's not a live competition but courses get sent out every two weeks to teams oh, around yeah. the country yeah yeah i know what you mean and, and then they they basically run the courses themselves and it's all kind of on an honor system it's not like some super competitive you know time to a thousandth of a second kind of um event but i've been designing courses there with more of an international theme for one of the divisions within the league yeah and um that's been really nice in terms of uh you know reaching out to um people or a, a sort of a population that's not necessarily you know on the international track yeah for sure and just it, you know it exposes them to those things as well then doesn't it so like you're, you're exposing them to the things that potentially might increase uh the uptake in that side of things and again push the sport the direction that we think I know personally, I yeah, think exactly expose them to those challenges, but maybe not like in a some super hard way, but in a more accessible way, and you know, um, let them see that they can have fun running their dogs on those courses. And the the feedback's been really positive, so I've really kind of enjoyed that. That's really cool. Um, I mean, we've got a, we've got a show over here that is definitely more angled towards that kind of thing as well, called Iconics, um, and I think it's been really well received i mean i love it i know lots of my friends who love it as well um but i think everyone can enjoy it if they go there with the right mindset of it's a challenge if i don't get it right that's okay it doesn't it's not it's not the end of the world um and it's right. just being open to that challenge and just enjoying it rather than stressing about it if it doesn't go right and if you can go there with that right and then i think if you right. go into it with the right attitude you you see you know you see that your dog's enjoying that those kind of style of courses and and i think that's exactly right you know You've just got to have the right. You've got to have the right mindset going in. Not be all about running clean, right? Just see, you know, see how you how you can get around it, right? Yeah. Well, I had um, Tomas Trajan uh, not long ago, uh, and I didn't tell him this because uh, I, to be honest, I didn't think I was going to tell him. I've only ever run three courses under him when he's judged, and I haven't yet had a clear round. So that's my ambition for this uh, next. <laughs> I'm going to try and get one of his courses. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm ready for him now, though. It's been a year since I've run one last, so I'm ready for him. Um, but, what yeah. do you think? Go on. Go, go ahead, sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um, so what makes you annoyed? What annoys you the most? And again, it doesn't necessarily need to be in agility. It can be in everyday life. And I'll tell you now, most people, it ends up being something to do with driving. <laughs> I 
you you you've stumped me on that one <laughs> there must be something that annoys you it, it honestly i would say 90 percent of people's answers with this comes back to like a road rage type incident whether it be speeding going too slow indicating all that kind of stuff it's always something to do with well that. i think in the san francisco bay area it would probably be people's uh, inability to drive in the rain because uh, <laughs> whenever it rains here there's like so many crashes yeah it's, uh, coming from the north of england driving in the rain is not a problem well, <laughs> that's all yeah that's every day right <laughs> yeah. right so say i've got a crystal ball okay um and I'm going to let you use it, but only to look at one thing. First thing is, would you use it? And then if you would, what would you use it for? See what agility looks like in 2026. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, even in that short of time, it's probably going to change a lot, right? Yeah, it's not. Well, three years, that's a fair old time, right? So Have you even you haven't don't tell me you started designing your courses for 2026 yet. No, no, no. Not, not even close. It's an evolution, right? So that's why you'd want a crystal ball. It's just like, it's small little incremental changes that are going to happen. But over three years, that's probably, you know, my courses will probably look nothing like they look right now. Well, that's what you should do, right? Today now, or well, after, after this, design a course that you think will be for the WAO's 2026 and pop it in a cupboard. And then in 2026, come back to it and see how far off you are. Okay, and I'll do I'll do the uh, reveal on a podcast with you. In yeah, 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 yeah. You could tell me how far <laughs> off it was. You can look back at it. And we can laugh at it together. <laughs> right. So we're going to go into a quick fire round now. It doesn't really need too much depth on the answers, just to get people to know you a little bit more. So, what did you have for breakfast, Ash? Uh, uh, just coffee. Coffee. Uh, what was the last thing that you Googled? Uh, what did I Google? What did I Google? I Googled. Uh, uh, my son's flight uh, off to college, whether it arrived or not. <laughs> well, fair enough. I suppose that's an important thing to know. Um, do you play any musical <laughs> instruments? I used to play the piano when I was little, but I haven't played anything. I, I wouldn't say I'm very talented in the music front, so that went by the <laughs> sidelines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you believe in ghosts? Uh, no. Any tattoos? Any what? Tattoos. Uh, no tattoos. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Something to do with flying, ability to fly, I guess. Yeah, that's a good one. So I finish off with the last question and I always keep it to last because I think it's my favorite. Um, I've asked you what your superpower is. Well, in this scenario, I've got a superpower and I've got uh, like Dr. Doolittle type powers, right? I can allow you to converse with your pets and your dogs. So I'm going to give you 10 seconds to speak to all your dogs. What do you think you tell them in those 10 seconds? If I could, if I, sorry, you were kind of breaking up, so I didn't quite yeah, no, no worries. the question. So, <clears throat> excuse me, my chest is going as well. I've got hay fever. <clears throat> so I've just said that you can have a superpower. <clears throat> In this scenario, I've got a superpower. And my superpower is that I've got 
Dr. Doolittle type powers and I can make it so that your dogs can understand you when you're talking to them and vice versa. So I'm going to give you 10 seconds to speak to your dogs. What do you think you'd take that time to tell them or ask them? <laughs> or ask them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely ask my Border Collie why she's uh, staring at a ball all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you expecting? But yeah, and I, I I definitely also tell them that that they're the they're the best, but they ought to know that anyway. Right? Yeah, I'm just sure they do. The right? we, it's uh, always worth telling them just to make sure, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Ash, that's it for us today. Firstly, I want to say thank you again for giving up some time to come on. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm sure people will be interested in your views on course design and other such stuff. Before we leave, is there anything that you want to plug or anything that you want to say for everyone? No, just uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, traveling around to some trials and meeting people. And, you know, like I said before, I, you know, as, as a judge, I, I always want people to know that, you know, I'm their biggest supporter in the ring. Yeah. So there's no one cheering louder, you know, um, for them when they have a good run. And there's no one who's like cringing or groaning louder when there's a little hiccup right yeah for so. sure i mean from my point of view <clears throat> i look forward to running your courses in 2026 um again thank you so much for coming on and if you just want to say goodbye to everyone yeah goodbye everyone it was nice chatting and thank you chris for inviting me on no worries see you later everyone and that is the end of the podcast thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen i really hope you enjoyed if you think you might know someone else who would enjoy, feel free to pass on all the information and share the podcast with them and get involved on any of the social media platforms. It really helps the podcast grow and I really appreciate it. See you in the next one.